Alright everyone, good uh, evening. Uh, kasama po natin ngayon, isa sa aking mga favorite Ilocanos out there. <laughs> uh, Dr. Walden Bellio. Thank you very much, Walden, for joining us again. Oh, thanks uh, Richard for inviting me again. <laughs> As always, Walden. Actually, kanina, may wrap up na ng uh, aking yearly, alam mo na, sa Spotify, podcast, and all. And apparently, our episode on Thailand and Lessons for the Philippines was the second highest episode ko no podcast you were only beaten by the maharlika uh, episode we had with uh, our good friend budget babe so not a bad performance <laughs> perhaps for 2024 we'll target for number one most uh, uh, most listened to uh, podcast episode so thank you so much again uh, sure. Walden for joining us so Walden um, obviously we want to talk about your case among others shortly but also talk about your you know your take on what's happening in the country as you know you know I I I have my own thoughts on that, and uh, we exchange thoughts with our common friends, among others, Ronald Liamas, who uh, owes me a lot, and Christian Esguera as uh, his talent managers. We got the guy famous, no? So suddenly everyone is looking for him as an analysis. So let's see. Because <laughs> 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 sumisingil na si Ronald. So, wait lang, wait lang. I didn't charge you for my talent management pa at publicity <laughs> campaign na me and Christian Esguera did for you. Now, well then. <laughs> Things are looking interesting to to put it in a I don't know in a quite a dialect, dialectical way, but if not in a more political sense of the word. Now, so Delima is out, um, and it looks like I mean we had an interview last week. It looks like she's very confident that the last legal threads no are gonna be untethered, uh, pretty soon, and then she will be most likely on the offensive now. No, how do you feel about the Delima situation? Considering you you guys have a very good friendship throughout the years. I know you have been source of a lot of books and advice, and she has written a lot of letters to you, handwritten letters. Uh, I remember back in the day because you know she was writing all of us, but you were among her favorite interlocutors. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that, your friendship with Senator Delima? Oh well, you know, um, I had worked with Senator Delima on uh, when I was uh, the head of the House Committee on Overseas Workers, and mm. um, we were trying to. Um, uh, um, uh, get um, to to penalize um, a number of um, uh, Philippine uh, uh, Dole officials abroad mm. that were involved with what is right. called the sex for flight scandal, basically taking advantage sexually of our of our um, OFWs. And I worked very closely, and she was very very committed. Uh, so. Um, I was not that particularly close, but when uh, Duterte started to slap this crazy, um, you know, that she was a part of the whole uh, drug ring, um, I knew immediately that this this was a, this was a frame up uh, because uh, I had Good worked job. with her. Yeah, and you know, I had worked with her, so I, there, there was there it, it to me it was just a frame up and it was silly, and. Um, so uh, that's why um, from the, the very beginning, I, I was really quite supportive of her. And I wrote articles both nationally and internationally in support of her and just calling it a spade a spade, which was a Duterte uh, 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 a frame up. And um, so and at the same time, I analyzed what happened. And I, I think um there were two things that I think um, occurred here. Um, one was the Duterte strategy, its evil genius of raking up, you know, um, misogynistic um, uh, attacks on her, uh, which was, of course, carried out in the house by people uh, like uh, Roque. And, um, and you know, she, you know, that was, that was, um, uh, you know, it was appealing to this uh, misogynistic um, uh, kind of subliminal things in Filipinos. Um, and that was one thing. The second thing was just how completely, you know, blitzkrieg talaga. And, you know, I mean, charging the Secretary of Justice as being the center of the drug ring in the Philippines. I think that even if some people initially thought it was crazy, just the mere effrontery of this sort of destabilized them and sort of uh, gave doubts that, oh my God, um, 
is this is is there credibility to this so na, na destabilize yung mga tao na who would not work with uh, the lima and then thirdly and i think the senator had, had has pointed it out that uh, she was so disappointed that uh, many of her political friends uh, did not come to her rescue and um and i think part of it was that they feared that they would be next if they if they sided with her. So, um, you know, so I I think that's sort of uh, the way that I analyze the whole uh, uh, situation. So, um, but uh, I was very happy to 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 work with Senator DeLeon. And as you know, the, she was deprived of of um, a phone. Uh, and she had very limited uh, TV viewing hours, so you know. Since I, I you know, I, I, I basically tried to get as many books as possible to her. Uh, I believe I must have gotten some eight hundred to one thousand titles uh, into um, Cam Crame, uh, and um, I, I, I think that's a she... big operation. That's a, that's a big operation. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> She wanted to be an old barracks with one thousand books. Well, she wanted to be an expert not only on the law but on economics, on political science. She wanted novels, so you know, you know, from fiction to Thomas Piketty to uh, you know um, Arundhati Roy. Uh, well, that was um, you know, I, I realized that this was the stuff that would keep her mind going. And prevent her from going into gloom, or um, or or depression. So um, that's it, you know. That was, um, and I was very very happy. And I was into court when when she got freed, and so I was very happy. It was a, a right. joint donation that we finally finally um, uh, stopped the Duterte machine that that had framed her. I mean, Walden, the reason I ask about this is because I know you're a man of a uh, very high threshold. You know, you don't easily get impressed, uh, especially by politicians and statesmen like, you know, in besieged democracies like the Philippines. So, you know, I always wondered, like, where is this admiration for uh, Leila de Lima coming from? I mean, I, I would I mean, I mean, if it's from, you know, usual folks, liberal party folks or, you know, folks from the Aquino administration. I understand it. But, you know, the more I, I talk to people, including Ronald Liamas, who was in the Aquino administration, political advisor, I hear so many good things about her. I, I You know, I talk to people who have been active in civil society and human rights uh, campaigns. And they, they told me now when she was the head of the Commission on Human Rights, when she was the Justice Secretary, she really held the ground, right? Um, she yeah. she really held the line uh, and, and she really fought for it. So she's a consistently authentic person committed to it. Can I, uh, okay, I wanted to ask where where is your story coming from? Because I mean, Walden, I mean, uh, you know, we interviewed Senator uh, Delima the other week, and we can talk about that a little bit more later on. Uh, the, the The thing is, there's so much the rumor, the rumor meal, the dark Marites meal against her has been grinding through and through, and until even today, you know, and some are saying that oh, baka she's just getting scot free because. Etong administration naman ayokay digong, which we are going to talk about later on. So you know that's the problem, no? That the kind of the Gables, the Gables, the Nazi kind of uh, problem, which is when you when you spread lies over and over again for a thousand times, a million times in this case, you, you know it it leaves a certain damage. And 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 for me, you are among people say consider as a moral compass. So ako parating ko sinisabi. If Walden has a respect for that person, there must be something special with that person. And by the way, this is completely independent from my own track of engagement with Leila Delima. But the thing is, Walden, of course, sino ba naman ako? I mean, I'm just whatever journalist, academic out there. So I, I, I ask you, I ask Ronald, I ask other people to also know her, know her better, way better than me. Uh, although, of course, all of us visited her throughout the years and, and ako, I, I have high regards for her. So thank you for for you know telling us your side of the story another testimony to why Senator Delima is really something special. I remember back in the day Delima I mean the first time she really got caught my attention and I realized there's something special about this person is remember in the issue with one big church and then uh I think this yeah. was 2015 right and then you know Etsa was being blocked or something like that and and a former president actually did not drop by her birthday not long after that incident so like Noon palang makikita mo na she was 
really walking ahead of the crowd, if I can put it that way, right? I mean, she's really an independent-minded person. And I just met her weeks before all the heat job black ops against her started in the Philippine Senate. There was an awarding ceremony was there. And, you know, she was still jolly and and and, and sprightly and, and, you know, go lang siya and go. And later on, I also visited her in 2019 onwards um, uh, when she was incarcerated. But my point is, you know, I had my own take on this. But to hear it from people like you na, na alam ko, hindi ka madali mabullshit, sorry to say it, uh, na mataas ang threshold mo for respect, that is very encouraging. Now, Walden, let, let, let's go to the next part of the discussion here. Now, you and Laila de Lima are in the same league uh, on a whole range of issues, including the fact that both of you are awardees for your contributions to human rights by Amnesty International, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think she was the inaugural one. And you're like the first one who's more of like an economic justice kind of human rights uh, advocate that has been celebrated. Um, were you, how should I put it? Like, do you... Did you see that? Like you and the Lima will be more or less in the same camp considering that like she worked in a liberal administration that you bashed a lot. You had fights with Aquino back and forth. Napigon sa'yo si Aquino. Hanggang ngayon, daming pigon sa'yo ng mga liberals. Nagalit din sa'kin ngayon. And they're saying, oh, it makes sense. Of course, Richard Walden, mga yan eh. Mga pasawa yan. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like you and Leila are kind of considering the same uh, kind of circles and camps nowadays in terms of your advocacy, your passion, nyo, and your independence of thought and conviction. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, um, well, you're right. I became critical of the Liberal Party, um, uh, especially when it was playing double standards. Uh, it was going after enemies, uh, while at the same time um, being very tolerant of um, uh, its people, despite the fact that they were they were engaging in 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 um, uh, corruption and you know especially you know when we had that uh that um that yep. special fund yep. Uh, yep. disbursement acceleration program is, yeah. it, is that your yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah the disbursement acceleration program and um so um um that was that was there i mean if if you are if you're part of a coalition with an administration and the main platform that you have is anti-corruption and you allow your people to be corrupt, um, uh, so I even I got into, unfortunately, I got into difficulties with my own party at Bayan because I, I was intent really on, um, on uh, calling the president on his um, double standards. Uh, so, and that's the reason that uh, I finally resigned because I could no longer, uh, from the House of Representatives, because I could no longer um, uh, tolerate the double standards of President Aquino. But when Mama it came- Sapana, no? Walden, sorry. I, but I think the the, 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 the the last straw was really Mama Sapano, right? I think that's, that's really- Yeah, yeah. There, yeah that was there. Well, there were several things. One, the most important thing was the disbursement acceleration program uh, and the double standards there. The second thing was um, the EDCA, the, um, you know, the enhanced cooperation- uh, uh, a military cooperation with the United States, uh, which I, uh, I, I, I I opposed. And I became very public about that um, in an interview with Karen Dabila. Uh, you know, I think the president really, really got pissed off, called me more opposition than the opposition. Oh, and wow. Then, I didn't know that. Really, Saedka? Yeah. He, oh, he, he called he me. He was that pissed off with you, Pinoy? Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, Mama Sapano, I basically said this is command responsibility hey you know uh John f kennedy ka naman accept command responsibility eh, takot, no uh, because you know for some reason he you know he probably was advised by his lawyers that you if you admit uh responsibility here that will mean legal Excellent. case you know against legal. no no but a, a leader should really accept responsibility sasabihin mo yung commander on the ground of an operation that you authorized, that it's really the commander in the ground that that uh, that made a, a, you know the big error. You can't do that. In any event, let me just say, Richard, that the exception to me was um, Laila, Laila de Lima. Why? Because let me go back again. 
I worked with her on trying to bring to justice Department uh, uh, of Labor employees that were um, uh, preying sexually on our on our OFWs, uh, which you know very well at that point in time you were working with me and we were trying to get we were trying to bring justice and Lila Delima. I remember that. Yeah. Laila Delima attended their meetings. She was very supportive. She wanted to bring justice uh, uh, to to our OFW. So my personal experience, talaga ako, na hindi lang yung she was she was tough when it came to human rights violations, uh, uh, investigating Duterte. But you could see that she really had a lot of sympathy and for you know to 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 accomplish justice for our ordinary filipinos abroad who were being uh, screwed up by their own uh, government officials so a, a personal experience like that it really generates a lot of respect kaya as i said richard nung inumpisa nila duterte and roque and dick gordon and all those crazy people when they started accusing delima uh, and uh, of this, you know, oh, Dick um, Gordon, no, I, I, yeah, yeah, he helped Dick oh, Gordon. Yeah, no, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, because later sa Farmali nakikita opposition na sila later on, diba? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I but, remember Harry Roque a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no Dick Gordon uh, helped in the ouster of Laila Delima from the um, House uh, Committee on Justice. You know, he played the central uh, Senate, uh, Senate, yeah, yeah, Senate Committee. Yeah, in the Senate, he played the central role. But that that there, there was yes that, yes yes he was the chair yeah 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 I remember there was a, there was that whole conspiracy and you know you cannot stomach a, a, a deliberate frame up like that you know and you know so I do hope that um, that Lila will get justice um, not only on the Duterte's but also on all the people who assisted in framing her up and i would i would put um roque is 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 one of those Harry Rocky, I mean. Harry, uh, yes Harry. Yeah, there, there are many Rocky there, but the most infamous is sorry yeah. <laughs> and then of course uh, people like uh richard gordon you know and you remember uh um, <laughs> Richard, so we were like, wait, wait, what? No, no, yeah, Richard, right. yeah, Dick Gordon. No, he's Dick, Dick Gordon. Gordon. Sorry, yeah. don't use, don't use Richard. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's my classmate, and you know that that sort of thing. But you cannot, you cannot participate in a frame up and not uh, be called on it. You know, so um, so I hope that now that the wheels of justice are moving, you know, um, forward instead of backward. I do hope that these people get prosecuted for the role they played in the biggest frame up in uh, Philippine legal history. You know, talaga, frame up, talaga. You know, I mean, and you know, you just don't take seven years of somebody's life and um, and and expect forgiveness. No, you know. Um, well, I mean, obviously, you know, just in the interest of fairness, um, you know, our other guests had different take on the disbursement acceleration program. Some were saying this was a way to facilitate making sure na hindi lang, you know, wasted yung mga underspending and all of that. But 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 uh, but on the issue of the um Mama Sapano, we also had our as guests uh Mayor Magalong, right? Who who was really really uh strong in terms of his criticism of how the Aquino administration handled that. So probably I think on the on the Mamasapano one, I think we, we share more in common. But I, I get your point in terms of hypocrisies of liberals, not only in the Philippines, but all around the world. We're also seeing that, you know, now in light of, you know, what's happening, uh, the, the the latest conflicts, no? Um, now, Walden, going back to this, I interviewed, uh, when I interviewed Leila um, last week, uh, I asked her about your case in particular and the issue of, because now we're talking about the wheels of justice, somehow move in the right direction no uh clockwise rather than counterclockwise and it, there was some sort of connection problems i don't know if it was on her side on our minds on my side but because even the christian iskera interview i think she also had some but but what she was clear about is she is categorically for decriminalization of libel libel cyber libel all sorts of libel and all and obviously this was in light of your case how do you feel about your case without betraying, you know, your legal strategy? 
uh, and all. Can you just uh, tell us a little bit about your perspective on your own legal predicament right now? And uh, what are your hopes in terms of uh, the near future? So in terms of prospect of you also getting justice, you know, in, in ways that Layla is getting also right now. Yeah. Well, um, I think Layla is a good example here because, um, uh, you know, uh, she could have been freed as as uh, in, in the previous program that you had. She could have been freed um, a year ago if she only agreed to house arrest, you know. But that would have meant, uh, you know, uh, in her view, an admission of guilt. No? And she wanted things to be really clear. So she didn't, I mean, of course, nobody wants to be in jail, but she was willing to, um, to, to she was willing to remain in jail until she got bail. And of course, when you get bail, you don't, you know, you, it's not an admission of guilt. It's, you know, it's, it's some, something that, that every citizen has the right to. So, you know, she was firm on that. No, no admission of guilt. As for me, uh, no, there's no admission of guilt. I mean, I think the the vice president's case of cyber libel against me uh, is, 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 is pure harassment in the midst of a political campaign. Well, but why do you say it's the vice president? I think it, it, you're pretending to a staff member of hers, right? Which no, I, the, resigned the, the, and now is in a senior position again, right? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about that? Why do you, you know, say it's Sarah? My my sense is that it's the vice president's camp. That has always been my for, formulation. Uh, but it's the vice president's camp. I mean, how can you divorce the um, the press officer while she was mayor and now her key press officer as uh, as uh, in in the vice presidential office um, and in the education? How can you divorce that from uh, her? Uh, the, the vice president herself. So I I cannot see this person um, who filed the case against me, who's a very close aide, not having done it without the blessings of the vice president. And remember, Richard, this was in the midst of the campaign, and I was just trying to bring to the voters attention, yeah, yeah, attention yeah, her, her actual record as vice mayor. And you know, so what was the counterattack? The counterattack was file a cyber libel case against me. The Davao uh, City Council declared me persona non grata. The um, the party of the vice president uh, labeled me a narco politician. So you know, one, two, three, na barajan, just for saying that this is the record of um, vice president uh, of uh, vice uh, of Mayor Duterte. And she should, needs to come out in a national debate to be able to clear up things. I mean, you know, that's the reason we have debates uh, uh, during the vice presidential and presidential thing. But, you know, that's why if you're going to say participate in a debate, then you have, you know, part of part of appealing to the voters is telling your, the voters that I am the one who deserves to be the, the vice president because my opponent's record is quite bad. I mean, that's the, that's the gist of a debate. But if the person doesn't want to show up because she cannot defend her record, then that's, you know, that, that was the whole essence of the thing was instead of showing up in a debate, they had a li cyber libel case against me, declared me persona non grata, called me a narco politician. It was really, you know, and Hindi Ferian, So, um, so back to your point. I cannot conceive of this press officer working closely with the vice president going after me without the blessings of the vice president. Thank you, Alden, also for adjusting. Can you can you adjust your issue? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, because I was a bit concerned about that. Make sure we want to see you while you're making the impassioned, oh, yeah, sure. impassioned yeah. intervention. Because I think, you know, well, I know you, Walden, you 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 know, you're 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 I know, I know how should I put it? Minsan, you know, sutil karin, like you know, like me, like you know, sometimes sutil karin. And and my, my sense is that was your way of you know, you you Referring to a certain report about showing the paucity of the claim that drug free, I think was that also about you know 
hinahamon mo siya na magdebate sa iyo na akala ko ganun yeah my sense is parang it was in that spirit na you said that and you were mentioning what was already out there it's not like you made a comment out of thin air but anyway we we'll leave that to the courts and hopefully the proper court to to settle that soon but but i just wanted and, to get your and, sense and, and on I'm, this. yeah i'm i'm you know what i i will tell you richard that you know i having seen that court in davao i have um I have great trust in the integrity of the judge, you know, that 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 we have. And uh, as I said, following the Lima's example, we will see this through in court. We will, if I am going to um, uh, uh, get out of this situation that I'm in now, it will be because I have proven myself innocent by the standards of our courts. Uh, so, uh, and I think that uh, in this case, I'm very hopeful that our justice system, you know, will uh, work. Well, then, uh, before we transition to the bigger picture and me picking on your mind as a as a as a, as an analyst and also political sociologist, um, obviously, your understanding is that this is not just about your case, right? And I think that was also the discussion I had with the yeah. which is it's it's not also about her. It's about a bigger fight, right? Uh, and in this case, to be specific about the bigger fight, is also about decriminalization of libel. Um, is that a matter of principle and conviction? I mean, there, the concern that I have, Walden, is I am also definitely against anything that allows for weaponization, no? um, whether it's counterterrorism law or libel laws that can easily be weaponized against people. No, And unfortunately, we see that in fledgling, if not even in established democracies sometimes, to silence the score, the silent oppositional views, among others. At the same time, I mean, well, then there, there must be some exceptional cases, right? Whereby, you know, you have quote-unquote Bayaran people who are really engaged. And think of the people, for instance, um, that that smeared Leila de Lima, right? I mean, some of them engaged in horrible libelous attacks on her, which which endangered her lives her life and and unfortunately their case was not isolated don't you envision certain exceptional cases whereby there should be a criminal case if someone is deliberately uh you know endangering another person's life's not only reputation in by engaging in black operations smear campaign do you get what i'm saying like i'm absolutely for decriminalization it should be a civil case among others but i believe there are certain circumstances just like how hate speech is a violation of basic freedom. Don't don't you think there should be some exceptional cases like the horrible libelous attacks on on Delima back in the day? That for me, parang civil suit is not enough. Eh? Someone has to be criminally held accountable. Do you get what I'm where I'm coming from, Walden? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 and here you need to weigh certain things, Richard. You know, the problem right now is that uh, we've had uh, over the last twelve years you know, the cyber libel law. And during that time, I believe there has been nearly 4,000 cases filed by politicians against journalists like you, uh, against ordinary people uh, for just trying to tell the truth. No? So if we're talking about 4,000 cases being filed against uh, uh, people who are trying to dig up the truth, uh, I mean, this this is terrible uh, situation of weaponizing, uh, you know, the law, and um, and it's almost like um, as I was telling some people, um, you know, not only you know if if they can get a conviction, fine, but you know what, um, they want to impoverish people, you know, because of the fact that. Uh, a, a regular journalist, for instance, um, you will have to hire lawyers and everything else. And before you know it, um, siguro malakas yung moral carriage ng tao, pero pagdating na sa, oh my God, uh, you know, I'm being pushed to poverty, prob- you know, that, that person is going to think twice or thrice about this. No? So yung... The immiseration, it could be an immiseration. Yeah, and yeah. we saw that in, in Singapore, right? Like, yeah. The, the late yeah. Lee Kuan Yew would use that against his opponents, take them to the court and drag them through the court until they're reduced to nothing, right? Literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think this is, uh, and that's just as good from their point of view as, as um, you know, securing um, um, uh, a conviction, you know. 
and um, and then for some politicians, um, uh, it's it's an alternative to killing their critics on the ground, you know, because of course, you know, alam naman natin na meron yan mga, you know, uh, people who hire Goons. a gun, et cetera. Um, but that's risky because you could really get caught in that. So um, cyber libel, uh, interestingly enough, has become a substitute for political assassination. That's safer, pa, you know. So it, it's all this, uh, this, this is what, uh, is there so uh, so you have to balance it and i think that the option of just um, making it a civil case uh of really uh being able to collect damages for uh somebody's uh, uh reputation being harmed uh i think is the best solution around um uh, and to decriminalize it and just make libel a, a civil case. So that's that would be my position at this point in time. Sumosobra na talaga mm. yung uh, politiko na gumagamit nito kasi natatakot talaga sila sa criticism. Okay, so ang, ang argument niyo dito, Professor Belli, is that as you have to look at how the law has has operated yes. Yes. In, in status quo, hindi in terms of in theory, right? Uh, na sa sobrang binaboy, sa, sa, sa yung palagay, binaboy talaga tong batas na to, mm-hmm. I think better we just take out the criminalization and just leave it as a civil suit. So yeah. in that case, you're still against, you know, accountability. You're still for accountability for people who are abusing. Yes, of course. Expression. But you're just saying the track record is just so bad in terms of weaponization. Uh, medyo better rethink the whole thing altogether. Okay, I, now I see where you're coming from. Because you know, it's because for me, may mga tao na binaboy nila yung freedom of expression nila to, to black ops other people and besmirch other people, etc. And, and they deserve accountability for that. Uh, I don't, yeah. I'm don't i not an absolutist, freedom, freedom of speech absolutist because if you're going to use that to incite hatred and violence and, and you know, all sorts of phobia, you have to be held accountable for that, right? And and we saw big victims like Senator Delima who was really, a, you know, a huge, huge victim of this kind of black ops operation. Now, well then, Let's put on your hat as the political sociologist. Now, hmm. obviously, all of this thing we're discussing right now is not operating in is is not within vacuum. It's happening within bigger picture. Kung saan, le, yes, let's call it what it is: implosion of the unity team. I think you and I independently years earlier we said in the sustainable at Marcos and Duterte dynasty. You know, you cannot put a lion and tiger in the same cage and expect them to be friends and allies and you know share the chicken and. Inas. it's not gonna happen right it's not gonna happen so, so sorry for the zoo um i i remember this uh yung dating chief of staff yung first chief of staff pre-boss by uh, chief of staff ni ni trump he said the trump administration is like a zoo without fence it's like when he put a you know, when you put all these predators next to each other without fence there's gonna be blood right so that always stuck with me so my point is I don't think this is going to end very well. I mean, when you put these two giants and as I put it, I mean, both of us are Ilocanos, right? And and for me, the Marcoses were always the OG, right? They were the originals, right? Like, if these guys are going to come back, they're not going to share it. They're going to go for gold, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think um, zero surprise with what's happening right now. I mean, we have written on this already in the past, but nevertheless, um, how, what is your read of how things are turning out? Kasi ang basa ko rin dito, Walden, is yung isang side na mas mahina ngayon, na ilusionado pa rin, they're digging their own grave. Eh. Like, like every time BBM is giving them a chance to retreat peacefully, susulsul na naman sila, di ba? Like, Digong will go to China, Digong will attack Romualdez, Congress, SMNI will attack. Like, you guys are not realizing you're not in power anymore. And this is Marcos. They, they have their own mind, right? I don't know about Aimee, but I'm talking about Marcos from Waldes, that old gang. What is your read on that, uh, uh, Manong Walden? On <laughs> our Ilocano. Well, yeah. uh, first of all, um, tama ka, Richard, na, as we said, uh, you know, this is going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, and um, and I would say that in terms of my quote unquote prediction, it's just about the right time for the split to happen. Uh, in uh, and so, um, kasi walang kwan eh. 
it's purely power. Uh, I mean, it's no principles involved. Uniteam was always about a question of power, uh, power sharing or what. And Alliance you know, of inconvenience. Uh, Alliance of inconvenience. Yeah, is it Alliance of inconvenience or what? But there, there were no principles involved at all. So, uh, and that's the most fragile kind of of, of alliance. Pag you have nothing to stand on but an agreement to quote unquote share power. The second thing I think is, um, you know, the Philippine presidency is something like this. Um, and I think you probably agree with this. Uh, the Philippine presidency is one of the most powerful in the world. For six years, you're a king. You can do anything. You know, you can do anything. You know, you can. You, 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 and, and we saw how Duterte did this with the Lima. I mean, he could you know buy he could buy congress he could intimidate the supreme court he could do anything so it's it's like um a democratic monarchy um but after those 6 years you when you leave power then you're very very vulnerable this is why um i think the third was pissed off at sara for not running for president because I think Duterte already knew what was going to happen, that he was going to be left without protection. Uh, and Marcos, whom he had criticized and implied was a cocaine addict uh, and he had no respect for, was going to be president. No? So yung tingin ko riyan is nakita na ni Duterte ito. Kaya, Hindi ba pinipilit niya si Saran tumakbo? Pero no? yun nga, Walden, galit din si Sara sa tatay niya kasi pinipilit si Bongo. So, si Bongo yeah. yata yung nagsira ng plano na mag-ama na yan. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yan, yan na nga ang, 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 ang problema. Kasi, you know, si Duterte, Machiavellian mind yan. No? Alam niya na hari ka for six years, pero pag wala na, dapat may protection ka. At pag walang, wala kang protection kasi yung anak mo, eh, you know, naloko ng mga Marcos, eh, kung oh, na yan. You know, I mean, he probably expected that this blow up to would would occur. So um, so now we're in, in this situation. As you said, the political winds have shifted and... Uh, um, do they know it? Uh, uh, well, probably they're still thinking that they have enough people within the bureaucracy and within the house. Uh, uh, but I, I agree with you. You know, na pag nakita na ng mga ibang institutions like Congress, mga congressmen, congresswomen, the justices. They've military. Yeah, military. I don't military, think yeah, yeah, them, that yeah. you're you're you you become vulnerable. You know, influence and power can disappear in 30 seconds. And I think that's what's happening right now. You know, so um I don't know what um I mean the possibility of actually Duterte going to the Hague uh, uh and to the cell that's waiting for him there is actually more of a big possibility now. I mean, hindi biro yung ginawa nung dalawang committee sa Congress, yung Justice at Human Rights Committee na uh, to get the Philippines to cooperate with the ICC. I mean, that's a big step forward. Right. Uh, and I, um, so if I were, if I were uh, Duterte, I would be um i would be very worried at this point uh, and uh so um so and and now that lila is free the person who you know has the most data uh on him both as president and as mayor of davao uh the you know the um um you know the posse is uh, is is coming in now of course what the marcoses will actually do if they will um, go and allow um, 
um, his uh, being prosecuted by the ICC, we still don't know at this point, or will they in typical uh, elite fashion uh, give him an out and uh, maybe scare him a bit, but- Leverage it, leverage it, whip, leverage it, whip, yeah. yeah. Leverage it, but not really turn him over to the ICC. Uh, yan, yan yung mga calculations nila ngayon on, uh, on, 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 on the Marcos's side. But one thing I'm very sure, if in fact the, the, uh, uh, the administration uh, changes its position and now says that you know, the ICC can come in and investigate, it's going to be out of political interest and not out of principle. No? Of course, they might try to cloak it as the Philippines you know, becoming uh, you know, the rule of law and all of that. But, uh, but it's, it's going to be a calculation based on, on what's good for dynastic interest at this point in time. And um, unfortunately, Richard, as you know, the, the countries caught up in this dynastic dramas while, while the rest, what we should really be doing as in terms of governance is just swept aside because everything gets focused now on power struggles. No? So the economy goes to pot and so many other things uh, get derailed uh, because the big drama is that the elite politicians and the dynasties are all, you know, uh, you know, thinking about their next moves. No, so um, that's for me the big tragedy, in the sense that again, dynastic elite politics, um, you know, uh, pure power plays, um, you know, become dominant. Uh, whereas what really needs to be done with the economy and so many other things uh really are is 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 put aside you know so mm -hmm. that's for me that's that's what that's the most tragic thing about what's happening right now except if Walden, i want to end uh, this this podcast i mean we look forward to to even more discussion hopefully in person soon um at the same time, there is an opening here, right? And new spaces are coming out. Uh, because my, my 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 next question, and and I want us to end the podcast on this part mm -hmm. uh, for today is, but this family feud, interdynastic feud, right, is creating a space for a third force, right, for progressive and opposition to come in because there is now an opportunity, right? Because if the current uh, dynamics continue, BBM will. Will also be, I mean, both Duterte and, and Marcos are somehow in a vulnerable position right now, Duba. And and my, in fact, my take is ironically because the opposition was weak after elections, BBM felt confident enough to take on Duterte. But eventually, the opposition should come in, right? Whatever, whatever your definition of opposition. Do you see some potential green shoots? I mean, is there a chance now for Risa and the Lima? And you, among others, to lead the next generation of political opposition, and of course, the younger generation, given then. Uh, do you see? Uh, I mean, what is your advice? I mean, what is your counsel? What should the opposition? How should the opposition approach this implosion and kind of a, uh, you know, the clash of titans situation that is happening in Philippine politics to make sure hindi hanggang family feud drama lang, hindi lang hanggang mga one dynasty, a lesser evil kind of dynamics, but actually we go for a true alternative. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the uh, the opposition should really um, um, mature as an opposition. Uh, they have to leave behind the old um, yellow uh, kind of politics that was just very hypocritical and the people saw through it, you know, uh, and begin to really offer uh, a, a, a vision of the country's future that's based on real democracy, the achievement of equality, and you know the regaining of our sovereignty as a country, both economically and 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 politically. So here is a chance, and there are people that um, that are there, as you mentioned, uh, Senator De Lima, 
and Riso Hontiveros, that whom both of whom I have a great deal of respect for. But in terms of the old guard of the Liberal Party, I, I don't think that they offer a future. Uh, they they might just you know they, you know uh, it would be better f you know if they just uh, disappeared uh, and have real progressives um, um, you know um, you know um, articulate a vision for people. So you know uh, so that's that's what I I'm really hoping for, and I hope that the left. Um, um, you know, and as we all know, the left in the Philippines is is uh, you know has so many different uh, groupings at this point in time. I hope that it gets to its senses and realizes that they just can't be fighting one another instead of fighting uh, to have a better future, uh, because the left is just bogged down in terrible sectarianism at this point in time, and um, the problem is that. Unless that opposition comes in uh, at this point in time, the force that is, and in fact, you know, has uh, ha is moving very fast, uh, is the United States. You know, I mean, what else? What has been the main thing that has happened over the last uh, year and a half? It's not domestic issues. It's been the granting of military bases to the United States, you know, uh, four more bases to the nine. And, um, you know, we've basically um, uh, contracted out our defense and foreign policies to the United States. I mean, they're having it so good at this point in time, you know. Uh, and um, uh, how do we have a foreign policy that's really independent? And um, I wrote for the New York Times and others that said, we really have to have an independent foreign policy. We need to criticize China for what it's doing in uh, the West Philippine Sea. Uh, uh, um, but at the same time, we cannot allow ourselves to be utilized by a superpower that's on the decline as, uh, as, as a mechanism to, to, um, to counter China. And my my sense always, Richard, I, you might disagree with this, is that the bases here have had nothing to do really with Taiwan. You know, I know that's what they say that it's because of the Taiwan emergency. First of all, China is not going to be foolish enough to invade Taiwan. Secondly, it was about fortifying the Philippines. You know, as a a uh, uh, point of power projection against China, which has always been the strategic conception of the Americans regarding what the Philippines' main role is, which is an offshore platform for power projection. And that's why we were taken in 1898 and 1899, and that's why they've returned at this point in time. So yes, I agree with you. Let's get progressive and liberal forces to move, offer a new vision, but at the same time, we should be very wary about the kind of concessions that are being given to the United States at this point in time. And we really need to have an independent uh, foreign policy. Unfortunately, the Marcoses really are not the people to provide that. The only thing that the Marcoses are interested in is the protection of their property, okay, abroad and here. And in fact, you may disagree with this, Richard, but um, the reason that those concessions have been made to the United States was because Marcos always feared that the United States could freeze his assets in all the different places in the world where they have that $10 billion invested in. The U.S. Treasury has a lot of power. Arms can reach all, all very, Yeah, very powerful. Very, very. And that's 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 really... That's really what our foreign policy now amounts to. It doesn't independence. It's not about. It's about the protection of the Marcos treasury abroad. Um, well, I appreciate you smuggling in the, the the foreign policy part, which which I 
but you could see in my face like we can have a completely different podcast on that because no i i i agree with you in principle which this is not about choosing one master over the other although i would say historically i'm more worried like i think us is more like the declining spain and china is more like the us at the turn of the 20th century but we can go back to the aguinaldo moment uh in a separate <laughs> podcast um and uh, i mean yeah i mean for, for me it, it's there's no easy answers to this right i mean how how can we find the proper uh, kind of a equilibrium or goldilocks point whereby the philippines can leverage alliances and partnership but not sell out to one superpower to defend itself against another bully and all of that but but i, I want I, I want to end on this note because i thanks for bringing that out because we will have to have a separate discussion really on that because uh, i keep i keep on saying you seeing you mentioning you know richard is a great guy but we have some disagreements so we're going to settle that don't worry about it Walden. yeah i want to ask what is your blueprint for for the opposition because you know when i and ronald and other friends come together we always say and leloy and other common friends we always say Something special happened last year, right? Uh, look at how much excitement you and uh, uh, um, you know your your campaign uh, generated with Kaliodi. Look at how much excitement Lenny's uh, campaign also generated. You know the millions that came out among others. I mean, we can debate about the faults mm -hmm. of the liberals and all, but we cannot debate about the yearning for a more progressive, democratic politics and future for the Philippines. So we saw there's a constituency for that. Literally yes. millions coming out. Don't you think that gives you a little bit of window into what can happen? Because the last time we had a conversation was about Thailand, right? And the sad thing in Thailand is there is a military junta, right? There is there is a monarchy, absolute monarchy that eventually block Pita, you know, and, and the progressives from coming in. Thankfully, we don't have that. So if we just get our act together, we can do what Pita could not do. So Pita got the election and mobilization right, but the rest was beyond his control because Thailand is not really a democracy. The Philippines is a broken democracy, but it's still a democracy in the sense that there's no absolute monarch, crazy military, right? So mm -hmm. our excuses are fewer than Pita and Thailand. So that's why I really like our podcast earlier this year when we discussed the Thai elections. So is that, what is your blueprint, Walden, for what, what should the opposition do to make sure... Uh, is this the Emmanuel Ram, uh, uh, Ram Emmanuel thing that never let a you know a kind of a crisis go to waste, right? How how can the opposition make sure that this? Uh, I'm I'm I keep on quoting my chief of staff of U.S. presidents, right, from Prebos to Ram Emanuel. Um, you know, how does the opposition make sure this implosion of the unity doesn't go down as just another family feud for us to be stuck with another dynasty for the foreseeable future? Because one of the things I hated hearing is. Ah, so ganito yan, BBM, then Sarah, then, I don't know, Marcos III, and then, you know, Baste. Like, that's that's the most cynical and, like, hopeless way of looking at Philippine politics. Because my suspicion is we're going to have a president in 2028 which is not named Marcos or Duterte or anything like that. I'm, I'm almost 100% sure about that. I'm not going to give names, but I'm very confident. And my point is there's a good chance for the progressive opposition to come in. What and what is the last point there? Wag mo na ismagal yung Edka and all. Mahapan usapan yan. We can have a back and forth on that. Let's have a separate podcast along on that. Well then, but let's talk about politics, Philippines, progressive future amid the implosion of unity. Well, I, I let me say that the elements of a program for the country are there, and have been there for some time. No, um, you know whether it's in agriculture. You know, you know the way that our agriculture needs to be resurrected, whether our manu uh, on the question of manufacturing, and the way that we must again, you know, be smart industrially, uh, and uh, on the way that there has to be changes with respect to, um, you know, the the way that the uh, economy is run. Um, you know, like we cannot just leave it up to neoliberal technocrats who've screwed up the economy for the last, um, you know, uh, 40 years. Um, and, uh, you know, Nandun, I mean, whether it's on climate, the key elements of the program are really there. And we really need one to popularize those, um, you know, the, this progressive program. And secondly, we really need to construct these alliances, you know, that will be hard to construct, but nevertheless, I think it's very, very necessary, which means that the different groups now on the opposition really need 
to not see it as a zero sum game, uh, that they have to make certain concessions uh, in order to be able to forge a really great, um, you know, effective uh, a coalition. And then finally, with respect to the left part of that, uh, I think that enough of the uh, the rhetoric, uh, enough of the quarrels within you know the left, enough with models of the twentieth century. Let's move on to really conceptualizing and fighting for a real social democracy or democratic socialist future. I think that's where it is, and I, I uh, sometimes I. I waver on this because uh, my generation, Richard, um, um, was caught up in the revolution of the 1970s and 1980s. If, if you can remember that, when you know that was uh, that that was, I wasn't born then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it was the sense that there was going to be what they called a national democratic future. Um, but after 1986, that went down the the drain, um, and um, you know, cyclically uh, to mga generations, uh, maybe what will really make the difference is the generation after Gen Z. You know, uh, you know that the generation that 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 is now um, in their you know very young stages. Uh, that will again. I think nine and below. Yeah, nine and below or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. yeah. Like my nephew, you know, that's that's. Um, I have a feeling that that might be the generation that will really take up again the banner of real change in the country. So you know, I go, I go back and forth on this, uh, but nevertheless, I think it's very important that we um, look at the here and now and see what are the possibilities not for a shallow unity uh, of the opposition but for a, a a unit but for a unity that's forged on on principles and i know people sometimes say people like me people like you are just too idealistic no i i i really doubt uh, when when an idea um you know whose time has come uh uh is there Nothing can, can stop, stop it. it. Yeah, nothing can stop it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Walden, for it. I think this this just tells us that we need another podcast soon. I think I want to have another uh, discussion with you also on industrial policy. In fact, one of the best episodes in the year that we did was uh episode I did with Lisandro Claudio on the history of the Philippines industrial policy strategy, why it failed from essentially Commonwealth period all the way to uh post Marcos era, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I would yeah. yes. So it's, it's, I would love He's the expert on that. Uh, yes. Exactly. The, the, the bureaucratic politics. So he has a new book actually on that. So that was a fantastic discussion because I want to talk to you too because we I also had a, uh, a series of podcasts with Sunny Africa also about this issue of an industrial policy for the 21st century. But of course, you are the, the guru of this. You're, you're one of the persons who first focused really on the role of technocrats and how they're also partly responsible for the morass and mess that we find ourselves developmentally today. Fastest growing economy in Southeast Asia highest unemployment, underemployment, highest poverty rate. There's something fundamentally wrong here. So hopefully yeah, Walt, we can have I, you soon I, to discuss that. Yeah. Sure. I, I would just like to also put a plug for Tessa Encarnacion's Marcos's yes. Technocrats that yes. I think is a very great study of how these people were able to capture the, the, the economic policymaking and are still holding it because of the ideology. So anyway... Yeah, right, Richard. Thank you for giving the, the plug-in for the next episode, essentially. So, because I want to also talk about what should we do for the 21st century with AI and artificial intelligence and 3D printing and 5G, 6G network. And I mean, can we do the industrial policy like we did before or something new should have been done? So there's so much to discuss, Walden, on that. And then don't worry, we'll go back to our pet peeve on ETCA and all. We can have a fight over that. Because oh, that's what we are. We're, we're pluralistic Democrats. We can agree to disagree. And that's that's what I want people to understand. We can agree to disagree even as friends and 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 all. And there's nothing wrong about that. It's just part of the debate. And, uh, you know, the problem because with people is they, they 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 misconstrue disagreement as an assault on someone's dignity or or something like that. Anyway, 
Thank you so much, Walden. Uh, Dr. I'm Walden pretty sure Daniel. you'll never you'll never sue me for cyber libel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're <laughs> safe from that. I think it's <laughs> you really have to bring it back there. All right. Anyway, hopefully uh, we can have more of this discussion, uh, Walden Belio. My boy, stay strong and stay, stay, stay uh, passionate as you are. Many people are very much inspired by what you're doing. We even have DDS supporters, Marco supporters, Lenny support, all, all of them watching us and, and all of them uh, appreciating what you're doing, Walden. My boy, and uh, talk to you soon, uh, Dr. Belio. Okay, thanks a lot, Richard. I really appreciate your being on your program. As always, as always, talk to you soon. God bless.